So uh, tonight we're uh, just uh, taking another step in this series called Open Heart. And the idea is, in a nutshell, we're just mirroring what's happening at 515. So welcome uh, to our new gathering space. We love it. We're excited about it. We I got a few last things to do, so we're not quite all the way there yet. And then we got a whole lot more things we could do down the road uh, to this place. But what we talked about was that we wouldn't make it into this building without uh, some serious work, some serious surgery went on here. And we had to open up the guts of the place so that we could put the right stuff into this place to do the transformation that you see and people see as they drive by. And we just are mirroring that in our own lives, that for you and me, God wants to do something transformational. So we're not talking about just like a little slight modification, a just slightly better you. That's not what scripture's about. Scripture talks about the promise of a brand new you and a brand new me. Not because we uh, signed up for something or bought something online or you know, had a treatment of some kind, but an internal renovation of the heart is what Jesus is really all about. So we talked about how we all want that, of course, but that means the same thing that happened here. We've got to kind of open up the place and let God get into the deepest parts of our lives. And one of those places we talked about last week is forgiveness and specifically unforgiveness and how unforgiveness can be that one major thing that causes our heart to close and in the end possibly to completely grow cold or grow hard. And so beautiful night last night, people forgiving and people being forgiven. But tonight we come to this big, big question, which is um, forgiving that last person, the person that's the hardest person of all sometimes to forgive. You know who I'm talking about? You know, sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, I can forgive you, and if God really does a huge work in my heart, I can forgive you, and in light of what God's done for me, I can even step over and forgive you, but there's that one last person for some of us tonight, and this is going to be revolutionary for a few people in the house tonight, maybe for a bunch of people in the house tonight, but the person often that's hardest to forgive is who? It's ourselves, and it's an amazing anomaly of truth that we'll come to a place of saying, okay, Louis, I'll go with you to the gospel. I'll believe in Christ. I believe that God loved the world, gave his son, that Christ stood in our place, took the blows, took the shame, paid the price for us so that God could say to us, I forgive you. I'll go there with you. And because of that, I even can take the step of turning to the person that hurt me. And I'm telling you, there's some big time hurt represented in that vase right there. And because of the power of the cross, I can turn to that person and forgive that person because I I understand that God's power is big enough to do that. And I can even speak the words, and I hope some of you spoke the words, that some of you get to that step this week where you actually spoke it out either to a close friend, a trusted friend, or maybe even had the chance to speak it to the person. Did anybody have a chance to speak it to the person that's in the vase? Just a show of hands a little bit higher. Anybody? A few people? Okay, a few low hands. Um, you know, but to speak it is when it really begins to click into power. And some people say, well, you know, I can do that. And I'll take that step, and yet they'll walk away, and they'll never turn back and speak that same forgiveness over their very own life. And I believe there are people here tonight who who believe everything we just say, 
who believe all the songs that we're about you, you've been sort of near church for a while and you believe the story of who Jesus is, but yet there's something in your life, something in the past that you haven't been able to get free from yourself. And when you, know, you take a step or two forward, that thing always is kind of hanging around, right? And, and, and somehow you can look at the other person and say, yeah, I know God will forgive you, but it's, it's turning it around and saying, no, God has forgiven me and I can forgive myself. If we had another vase tonight, and it'd probably be cool if we did, I think there'd be people who would be at that same place of saying, this is what happened and the weird part about not forgiving yourself is, is it gets all twisted up. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, so I don't really, I can't speak authoritatively, but some of us, it's just like clearly I did it. And, and I can't forgive myself because it was so obvious what I did. It was so stupid what I did. I knew better. That's what you say to yourself a lot. I knew better. I knew better. I knew what I was doing. I, I should have known better. I'm, I'm, that, I'm not that kind of person. I didn't come from that kind of family. I wasn't raised like that. I knew what was going on. I, I knew better. How did I do that? So disappointed in you. And that's kind of that's a little bit more obvious to see how you could kind of let that hang on to you for a long time. But there's another weird way that things work. And for some of us, it's something that was done to you. And maybe you forgave the person who did it to you, but the enemy's trying to get something going on in your heart that says, well, the reason that all happened was because of something I did or didn't do. And that's weird like that. Someone in your world collapses. It's clearly their choice, and they went down this road, but yet you're the one who still feels bad about it. You're the one somehow who's come to think or believe that maybe it must have been your fault. And the enemy's tricky, I'm telling you. The scripture says he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. The scripture also says when he speaks a lie, speaking of the enemy, then he speaks out of his own nature because he was a liar from the beginning. Remember back at the very beginning, Garden of Eden, what was he doing? He was lying that day. He's, he was lying yesterday. He's lying today, and he'll be lying tomorrow because all he knows how to do is to do what he does, which is to lie. And so he just comes around anybody. And this is the most powerful thing that I hope happens tonight is that right here is the living truth of God. This is not just some book. This is the living truth of God. And it's powerful, and it's available, and it's in English, and you can get it at Barnes & Noble. It's amazing. If you don't want to go to Barnes & Noble, you can get it online. Uh, if you don't want to get it online, uh, you can just grab one from somebody here, because everybody here has six or eight. And so if you just wanted to take some ones, they'd say, yeah, I've got a couple more at home. I got a big one, and a blue one, and a brown one, and a black one, and a this kind, or that kind, and I got one on my phone, and one on my computer. I got them everywhere. But here's the weird thing. A lot of times, we don't stand on that. And so here we're walking along, not standing on that. There's someone in this world who has a, a, a plan for us, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. He only knows how to lie, and he's really good at it, by the way. If you've got two guys who are literally walking in a garden with God, and you can get them to mess the whole plan up, i got a feeling none of us have a chance. Dude was not with us got breathed into by the breath of God. So his awaking moment, Adam, was the face of God breathing life into him. That's a wake up right there. That's a, oh my goodness, that's crazy. Guy goes to sleep, wakes up, there's a woman there. 
Okay, that's a whole nother thing, uh, but that's another talk for another day. Okay, that's another series we'll do later. But women, if you're curious what's going on, we were asleep when you were made, okay? Therefore, we don't know much about you. So that's another talk for another day. But imagine waking up to God, waking up again to woman, walking with God, like literally the first people on the planet. And then the enemy shows up and gets them to mess the whole plan up by saying to them, God really didn't say that. God really didn't mean that. God really isn't like that. And if he could do that to them, I'm telling you, he could take any of us out in a heartbeat unless we're standing on this truth right here. That somehow this gets out of church and out of, I, I'm, I'm a Christian, and out of, oh yeah, I believe in the Bible, and it gets into our digestive system so that our body can process it and it can work its way out to the cells in our body so that when we think, we, we, this, this gets involved. When, when, we, when we process, this gets involved. And if not, the enemy just comes along. And he does it all day long and he's like, hey, did, do you know anything about anything? You're like, oh, well, I go to church. Well, yeah, I know that, but do you know anything about anything? Like, do you really know what happened at the cross? Well, I mean, I know Jesus died there. I know, but, but did, did you know that you probably should still feel responsible for this and carry that guilt around? And you're like, yeah, I've been kind of feeling that. Yeah, well, you should feel that. Well, I kind of do feel that. Well, that's good because you ought to feel that. I just said I do. I know, but do you really feel it? Because you really screwed that one up. And as soon as you're down that road, man, I'm telling you, you've got this constant companion who's gonna continually perpetuate that lie. And the opposite happens as well. When he comes along to people and says, well, you know, that happened. Well, you know, you're probably the one responsible for it. And you're like, dude, uh, I'm sure in some way I contributed to something because we all kind of are interconnected here. But come on, that was not my deal. I'm not gonna own that. And even if I did own it and it was my deal, it's still on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so what they did is on the cross. If I had any part of it, it's on the cross. If anybody had any part of it, it's on the cross. If I did it willingly, it's on the cross. If I did it unknowingly, it's on the cross. If I did it in the past, it's on the cross. If I did it in the future, it's on the cross. Everything's on the cross, man. I'm telling you, I don't know where you came from or what book you're reading out of, but the book I'm reading out of, everything's on the cross. It's all there. It's canceled there. The debt is paid. The price in full. Guilt is gone. Shame is gone. It's all on the cross, man. And I'm telling you, instantly the conversation ends. He's like, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, apparently you know what's going on. Hey, do you know what's going on? Oh, you don't know what's going on? Oh, dude, you should feel so bad about this. <laughs> I do feel bad. Oh, good. I got one. And see, that's the power of the truth. That's the power of the truth. And tonight, um, that's the potential. And that's what's on the table because this is truth. Right, let's just let Jesus say it for himself. John chapter eight. Uh, you know this passage and you've heard other people quote it and different vari variations of it. But I just, there's three passages I just wanna land in briefly tonight. All three of them are Jesus talking because nobody's gonna get free tonight unless uh, Jesus is talking. And nobody's gonna walk free tonight unless Jesus is talking. And nobody's gonna really believe enough to step 
into their own world with forgiveness unless Jesus is talking. And so I want us to let him talk a little bit tonight. John 8, first passage beginning in verse 31. And there's a big story going here, and I don't want to couch the whole big story, but we'll just kind of jump right into the heart of it. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, verse 31, John 8, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now I like that, because that's just a whole cool phrase. That doesn't say, are you a Christian? Uh-huh, I'm a Christian. It's not really the question, is it? The question is, whose teaching are you holding to? That's how you know whether you're one of the disciples or the followers of Jesus. And everybody's disciples of a whole bunch of people in here because whoever it is that you track along after, that's who's training you in the way to think or discipling you or leading you. So it says, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. And then here's the outcome of that. Are you ready? Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. In other words, they had pride in their heritage because they really did come down from this promise of Abraham. These guys were Jews. And so they kind of looked at Jesus like, well, why do we need to be set free, man? We, we like, you know, came from Abraham. It would be sort of like if I came to you and said, if you follow Jesus, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, we're, we're living up in whatever community and my dad works at whatever, whatever. And, you know, we're a normal family in America and, you know, we're not, we don't need to be set free from anything. Somehow, or I, we go to such and such a church or we came from a certain denomination or we've always believed in a certain thing or I was confirmed or baptized or walked down an aisle and filled out a card and something happened to me. So what do you mean we need to be set free? And Jesus is trying to say, hey, this is not about heritage, your parents, lineage, where you came from. This is about an issue of the heart. And this is for everybody. Jews and non-Jews, people who live on that side of town, that side of town, people who are born in a church and people who've never been in one until tonight. This is for everybody. And so he says in verse 34, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And that means all the ways we've talked about, the consequences of it, the guilt that the enemy tries to put on you from it, the relational strain and brokenness that comes with it, and then the self hate or the self-unforgiveness, all of it's all rolled in to the same package. But verse 35, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. That's such a powerful part of tonight. So if the son sets you free, say it with me, you will be free indeed. I know you're Abraham's descendants, he said, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you've heard from your father. So he says, okay, you go with Abraham, back up the family tree. I'm telling you, I've been in the presence of God, and what I'm bringing to you is freedom, because I'm here on a whole new agenda, and anybody who lets me step into their world, into their life, and loosen the things in their life, they will be free, really, really, really free. So I don't know who you are tonight. Um, I know all of us carry this on some sort of level tonight, but I'm just, I've just had this in my heart all week long. I don't know who the person is tonight that's like, dude, I'm with you. I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, but I just, I'm not gonna forgive me. I'm telling you, the son has the power to set you free tonight, and if he sets you free, 
you'll be really, really free because you know what it feels like to carry that all this way. And some of you've carried it for months, but some of you've carried it for years. And part of your thinking is, part of being a Christian and messing up in life is the martyr complex of guilt and shame. And you just have to take it, Louis. You just gotta stand there and take your punishment and you gotta wear that shame around and just live in that because you did. You messed up. You knew better or you shouldn't have done that or if you hadn't been there, you'd done something different or maybe they did it to you but maybe you did something to them to make it, did it to do it to you. Who knows? And you know, I, I just have to take it. I'm telling you, that, that's crazy. You, you don't have to take it because the son came to take it. He didn't come to give it. He came to take it. He didn't come to constrict you with shame. He came to take the shame so that you could walk free. And there's nobody freer than a person who hasn't been able to forgive themselves for year after year after year who comes to this eye-opening moment, I, I would call it revelation, where they finally see Christ paid for me. And he says, I forgive me, and I believe that he forgave me, but I'm now gonna come around and see me like he sees me and I'm gonna forgive me too. And when that happens, oh my word, you become a whole new kind of person. And people are like, what happened to you? I got set free, really, really set free. Not like, yes, I've been set free also, brother. Amen. <laughs> Have you been set free? Well, hallelujah. Oh, can't say hallelujah, that's too free. Uh, well, well, praise the Lord. No, not that kind of free. You met some people who've been set free, right? And they're free. And you're like, you're looking at them like, you're crazy. You need to turn it down a notch or two. And like, no, 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 I need to turn it up a notch or two because I was down a floor or two and I've really been set free. The next passage where Jesus is talking to us tonight is found in the Gospel of Luke if you just do a couple of pages over to the left. And I want you to see this story. There's so many of these in scripture, but I just picked this one tonight. But there are two or three powerful ones, but I just wanna land on one. And everybody loves this story. If anybody grew up in the, the little guys at church back in the old days as uh, old like me, uh, you remember the flannel board? Uh, which we should, we're bringing that back, by the way, at Passion City Church. Look out for the flannel graph or whatever it was called. We're bringing that back. Um, but wasn't that awesome? Anybody old enough like me that remembers the flannel board? That was so cool, you know? And, and look, kids, here's the ark, you know? and they'd stick that up there and look, what do we need? A zebra, yeah, there's a zebra. Isn't that cool? And you're like, wow, that stuff is sticking to the wall, man. That is awesome. Can I stick one on there, you know? Yes, little Louie, you can come and put the giraffe on, you know, and you're up there putting the giraffe right on the top of the ark, you know, like up in the sky. This was one of those stories that just got played out so much. If you're new to church, then I'm so glad because you might hear this through a different lens. A lot of us have been around the block a time or two and we flannel board pops up, you know, or whatever you younger generation did. I'm sorry you missed the flannel graph. I'm sure you had some kind of PowerPoint presentation or DVD, <laughs> Veggie Tales, somebody's singing a song or something, uh, but it wasn't as good as the flannel graph, I'll tell you that. But this is one of those stories. But we gotta bring it off the flannel board tonight. 
and let it really settle. And I want you to think about the guy in this story. Verse 17 of Luke 5, it says, One day as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, okay, so that's a big crowd of, it's not a real happy crowd right there to start with, um, who come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. They were all sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Now that, that's only good news if you're sick right there. So if you're fine, then I just wanna say happy Memorial Day weekend and thank you for coming tonight and God bless you. I hope you pick a nice restaurant and you have a great, wonderful evening and maybe homemade ice cream, I don't know. But, but if, you're, if that word registers with you, like something's broken, there's things that need to be changed, there's stuff I can't get my hands around and my head around, then you're, you're excited like in this moment because when the favor of God came and people started getting healed, the crowd just swelled in a heartbeat. People started dragging people in. And that's what these guys did in verse 18. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now there's a whole other series there. You've heard that series as well. You know, friends of the guy and how they cared for their friend and that's awesome. But there's a deeper truth here. Verse 19, when they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now this must have been unsettling to the Pharisees and teachers of the law because they were already perturbed at Jesus and now there are people like up on the roof like you know, literally lowering a guy down and we kind of have it as like some mechanical process. These guys, they didn't have a mechanical process. They didn't have a winch, you know? They're just on the, on the spur of the moment going, what are we gonna do? I don't know, maybe they just cinched his mat up, you know, and got a couple of ropes from the neighbor and probably didn't pay for those either and got him over there and they just lowered the guy down. And there's Jesus in the middle of, of teaching and healing and here comes a guy down through the roof. And Jesus' first phrase, I love this, isn't, you know how much that roof costs? What are you guys thinking? He, he, his first phrase, his first words, when he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, come on, that's like, you're like, Louie, can you get around that? Because see, that seemed like a very short sermon right there. He just went right to the end, bam, there's the truth, your sins are forgiven. And you would think that the crowd would have gone, awesome, woo, check that out, man. Dude came down from the roof, way to go for the friends, a dude on a mat, he just got forgiven, come on, this is awesome, but that's not what they did. They weren't happy with Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves. Don't ever do that when God's around, by the way, because you're not thinking to yourself when Jesus is around. You're thinking to him and you when he's around. Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Now, that's you know, another just free thing. There's a lot of free sermons tonight. That's where you go, you know what? You're right. You are God, and whatever you say, I'm down with that because you know what I'm thinking. But they weren't getting it. You know, they weren't tracking quite on that level. Which is easier, verse 23, for me to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Interesting phrase. Not that the Son of Man has authority on earth to heal the paralytic, which he also did under the favor of God in this moment. But he said, I want you to know I have authority on earth to forgive sins. I want you to know that when I came from heaven, I came under orders, under a mission and an assignment, and it is a rescue mission that I'm on, and that I have the authority of heaven to forgive sin. What did he base that on? That just, if you're not catching the whole story or you're new tonight, just to catch up, what he based that on was that he was living on earth, God in a human body, headed to give his life on a cross for the sins of the world. That's the authority he could base it on. Of course I can tell you your sins are forgiven. Of course I can recognize your faith because I'm going to pay the price. And so he says, so that people will know I have authority, verse 24, on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. In other words, thanks for coming. You don't really need to stick around. That was a weird thing too. I mean, it's like, you're done. A, your sins are forgiven, and B, you're healed, so thank you. We've got other people who need to get in. They're lowering another guy down right now. Now that you guys have done it, everybody's trying to do it, so you're good. And immediately, he stood up in front of them. He took what he'd been lying on, and he went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Now, here's an interesting part of this story that um, maybe you haven't seen before. The guy whose friends brought him, he placed confidence in Jesus. There was enough trust in who this guy was. It was either based on what he'd heard about him, maybe he'd been close another time where he had taught, maybe it all happened the second they lowered him in and he looked up and caught the gaze of Jesus looking at him, maybe it was just revelation, maybe he sensed it, maybe God let him see, but he sensed something about Jesus that was profound so that when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven and you can take up your mat, he didn't say back then, now remember the guy's on a mat, and he didn't say back to Jesus, well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, but I don't, I don't feel forgiven. No, there was something about the way Jesus spoke the words, that the authority that Jesus had as the sacrifice for the sins of the world, the authority so registered that when he said, your sins are forgiven, he went, uh-huh, they are. And when he said, you can get up and walk, he got up and walked. He didn't say, hey, I don't wanna try that because I've tried that before. I did it once in front of people and it was embarrassing and I've done it at home twice by myself and it was embarrassing and I don't wanna do that again. He just immediately got up. He, he went with the voice, the authority, the person and the trust of who Jesus was. He went with it. And he stood up and he walked away. The whole way as he walked away, he was praising God. Isn't that beautiful? 
I mean, as soon as he stood up and as soon as he walked away, he's going home going, praise God, praise God. That, that Jesus, he's amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. This is incredible. And what was the story? The message was God is great. God is amazing. God spoke to me words of freedom. He spoke forgiveness over me and he spoke healing over me. And I'm walking in that right now. I'm not still laying there going, yeah, but I don't feel different. I, I don't know if I really believe that. I don't know if I really, you know, has anything really changed? And I'll tell you, some of you are identifying with that because you came last week and into this vase, you put forgiveness and you, some tears were shed here. In fact, a lot of tears were shed here and you walked away and the next day, the, the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy, he came alongside you and he said, well, do you feel better? And honestly, you didn't feel differently, did you? I mean, come on, can anybody be honest? I mean, we don't have to pretend here. Somebody walked away and said, it, it seemed like it was a big deal in the moment. I really felt something while we were gathered together as Passion City Church. But then now here it is 12 hours later, eight hours later, two days later, and I don't feel different. And no kidding. You've been nursing those feelings for years. You've been stoking those fires. You've been cementing that foundation. And our emotions are tricky like that. And so the truth came. Some revelation came to you last week. Some sense of the cross was opened up to you. You went for it. You stepped into that truth. You acted on that truth. You made a commitment of heart to forgive based on that truth. But the next day, your feelings weren't cooperating, were they? Your feelings didn't go, well, that's great. Uh, you put the thing in the base, and as instantly, we just feel better, and we feel freer, and we have such a different disposition toward that person, and all the feelings are throwing a party on Monday. I mean, how many feelings through a party on Monday? Feelings don't work like that. Feelings are very feeling-oriented. They're very uh, touchy-feely feelings are, and they don't like uh, you rocking the boat because they're what they are. And when the feelings didn't change, some of you thought to yourself, it wasn't real because the feelings didn't change. And what God is wanting for you to say, see tonight is that it was real because of who spoke the truth to you. That's what made it real. That Christ in his authority and in the power of his cross spoke the truth. And that's what's real. And I love it. He didn't say, and if you uh, abide in this word, you'll be my disciples and you'll feel differently and your feelings then will set you free. He said, no, the truth will set you free. And your feelings are gonna go, what are we doing, huh? What are we doing, where are we going, what, what? Truth, we're forgiven, we're forgiving them. Are you kidding me, forgiving them for real? Man, we've just hated them for so long now. We've despised them, we've cursed them, we've, we've pointed a finger at them, we've ignored them, we've tried to chastise them and punish them, and we've tried to do direct confrontation, indirect confrontation, passive aggressive, direct aggressive. We've tried every way we can to make them feel as bad as we can make them feel all these years, and now what do we do? What are we, what a vase, what vase? What are we putting things in a vase? What, are we, what did you put something in a vase? What did we put in a vase? Who put something in a vase? I didn't put anything in a vase. I still feel the way I felt yesterday. I'm still hanging on to feeling right now. 
And you gotta go, hey, feelings, that's cool, I get it, I get it. I get it that your feelings, and feelings are powerful because they're feelings. If your feelings changed every six seconds uh, on, on a dime like that, then you wouldn't have really great feelings. Feelings are deep, they get deep in our heart. They got roots and tentacles all down inside of who we are. And that's not a bad thing, but when it comes to truth, the truth has to drive the car. The truth has to be in the lead. The truth has to push us into the future. And we just gotta let the feelings do their thing. And we gotta keep saying to the feelings, hey, I know you feel that way, but we're not operating on feelings right now. We're operating on truth right now because truth sets you free. Truth changes the direction. Truth is the thing that sets the trajectory of life and we're going forward, not backward. We're detaching from the past and from that person by forgiving them and now we're moving on. We're standing the cross, we're walking in the cross, we're living in the cross, we're breathing the cross, we're believing the cross and we're moving on and the feelings are like, well, we don't, we're not buying that. You're like, well, that's fine because see, truth's driving and you're coming. And so they come, they're like, well, we don't, we don't, we're not happy. Well, that's okay, but we're here. And, and, and eventually the feelings will morph around the truth. You saw that happen when you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Anybody ever done that? You know, you were so sure and you felt it so much. And then at some point, the truth came, we're not doing this. It, it just happened just like that. I mean, at this sad day and age, it, it was a direct message. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was that big. You went, we're done. It was a text. Isn't that sad, guys, that some of these girls will break up with you over text? I mean, come on. For some of you, it's a Starbucks it was that favorite spot. And they just told you, you know what? I mean, you rock, rocked up as a couple. You rolled up as a couple at 420. 4.40, we're done. It's over. The truth has come. Me and you are not happening. And so you went and got in your car, and your feelings said, well, that's over. Glad we got that out of the way. What do y'all want to do now? No, your feelings were like, <laughs> and your brain's like, it's over. Your friends are like, what happened to you? What's wrong? Tell me, tell me, tell me. And your brain could tell them, it's over. But your feelings were like, <laughs> and your brain was like, it's over. And your feelings were like, <laughs> and your brain, it's over, it's over. So the truth and your thinking, click, done, over, not. Your feelings, yes, hang on, never die, we're together, this is going to happen. And what happens, and I, I, I used to hang out on a university campus with students all the time, and I mean, I'd walk through this many, many, many times, what should we do now? And I'd always say the same thing, no one ever took this advice, not one time. So if you don't take my advice as a pastor, you're not going to hurt my feelings, most people never have. But... Um, no one ever did this, but I said, do not, and this was easier back in the day because there, there wasn't a lot of ways to communicate unless you just talked to someone, crazy as that was. But um, <laughs> I said, don't talk to them for three weeks. Nothing, nothing for three weeks. I, and, oh, okay, okay, okay. Why should I do that? Because your feelings are up here and your brain just went to right here. 
And it's gonna take your feelings a long time to get down here where your brain is. And until your feelings can get down here, it's not gonna go good. And if you, if they'll start coming down, but it's gonna take a while because they're, they're like that and they'll start down, they'll start down and then you'll pass him on the way to class and you'll see him come around the corner and you'll stop and talk to him and what do your feelings do? They don't incrementally go back up a little. Oh, it was just, I just saw him in the hall. No, they go bing. <laughs> and then they have to start over again. And so they start back down again and they get going again and, and things are going pretty good again, pretty good. Now you're like, okay, this is, I'm kind of coming back around. I can actually talk and communicate with people and I can sort of even understand what God's doing in my life. And you're just about right there and he texts you. And they don't go up like text. They go bing. <laughs> and so if you're in that position right now and you're still seeing each other and texting each other and talking to each other and you're not feeling like you're getting anywhere, you're not gonna get anywhere until your feelings can get down to where your truth and your brain is and what God's trying to say to you is. And then when they can, then you're prepared. And I don't know if it's three weeks exactly or how long it takes you. It might take you less or more. I don't know that. But once your feelings and your truth get down on the same level, then you actually connect again as a person and you can start talking about things and thinking about things and hearing God's voice and what God's trying to say for you to do. And that's exactly what's going on in all kinds of areas of life. And so if you don't feel like you forgave them or you don't feel forgiven, that's not weird. That's just the way feelings work. But what you have to do is speak the truth and live in the truth. And the guy, when he heard the voice of Jesus, that authoritative voice of Christ, he received that authority and he walked in it, he moved in it, he agreed with it by doing what Jesus asked him to do. And so tonight, Jesus is here, and Jesus is saying, hey, I forgive you. And you're like, thank you, I appreciate that very much. Now, I don't forgive myself, and I'm gonna, I've got a little system I'm gonna walk through here. I'm gonna work this out over the next six months, years, or whatever, until I feel like I can forgive myself. And Jesus is like, wow, that makes me feel so good about what I did. And at the end of the day, and I said this last week, and I hope you can hear me say this, at the end of the day, that just is a story of you. And what God's hoping that you'll tell the world is a story of him. And you felt like being a martyr made you more spiritual, and all being a martyr does is make you tell the story of you. And Jesus is hoping that you'll be a receiver and tell the story of him. Jesus doesn't want you to lie on a mat on the floor, forgiven and able to stand and tell the whole world, man, Jesus, I saw him, I met him, and he told me I was forgiven, and he told me I could walk home. Isn't that awesome? But I didn't really feel like it because I just felt like I needed to lie there just a little bit longer. And people are like, seriously? How much longer do you feel like you need to lie on the mat another week? Or is the voice of Christ powerful enough tonight for you to say, I'm forgiven for the role I know I played or a role I'm not sure I played? I'm forgiven. And I'm going to stand up in the presence of Jesus and I'm gonna walk and I'm gonna praise him. I believe he suffered enough that I don't need to add to the process 
by laying on my mat anymore. When tempted by the enemy, Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He was quoting back to Deuteronomy when the manna came down for the Israelites when there was no food in the desert. You know what he was saying? Grabbing that whole thought, he was saying, look, every day the provision of God will come. Every day the provision will come. That's traced again in Lamentations where it says, every day God's faithfulness is shown because his mercies are new every single morning. And so then Jesus comes on the scene and the enemy says, hey, you've been out here 40 days and 40 nights fasting. Why don't you say to the rocks, turn into loaves of bread and then you'll be hungry. He said, you won't be hungry. He said, hey, man doesn't live by bread alone. Man does live by bread, but not bread alone. But man lives by the word that comes from the mouth of God, meaning Mercies are new every day, meaning the manna that came down in the wilderness, which he was quoting from, saying, every single day there's grace. Every day there's grace. Every day there's grace. Every day there's grace. Every day there's grace. So if my feelings don't feel it, guess what? There was grace on the ground this morning. If somebody comes to try to tell me, hey, you really aren't forgiven, there's grace on the ground today. If the enemy tries to come to me and say, hey, you can't really get off that easy, there's grace on the ground today. And that grace that's on the ground every day is the price that Christ has paid. And that price is celebrated when you stand up and you walk. Between my fifth and sixth grade year, I broke my uh, shin smack in half right below my uh, kneecap. I mean, like completely. And uh, it was brutal. And this is back in the day again. And so they put a plaster cast on down at Piedmont Hospital. That was a pretty fun night. I remember it very well. My dad holding me down while I was screaming bloody murder. And they set my shin bone and... Um, the chief orthopedic of the Falcons wrapped about 70 pounds of plaster on my leg from here to the toes. We didn't have any, uh, you know, fiberglass back then, apparently. And um, it was summer. So week school got out. That was awesome. And you couldn't walk like that because the whole thing was like that. So the only way you could walk was there was a little rubber thing in the cast on the bottom. And when you walked, you had to kind of turn your foot to the side so you wouldn't bust your toes. Did that for um, seven weeks, June and July. It's awesome. <laughs> and uh, our family was going on our annual vacation and it came time to get my cast off and I was so excited. And as we were going though, I started getting nervous because I just didn't know what was gonna happen. I hadn't seen my leg in the better part of the summer. I had stuck a coat hanger all the way in there a couple times, uh, that was awesome. That smelled good when it came out. Anybody understand, anybody live in this, been there? And so finally got there and you know, they, zzz, they just down both sides. I'd had some of the braids sign my cast, so I kept it. I wanted to make sure they didn't cut through any signatures and popped that top off, and my leg looked like a broom handle. Because <laughs> I already weighed approximately 17 pounds at that point in my life, and was already like skinny, but my leg was like this awful color, and like literally this big. 
And I, I, I'll never forget him. Him, I'm, I'm thinking, and I mean, it's just like, hey, it's like, whoa, my leg. Where's the 100 pounds of stuff I've been having on it? It's like, whoa, and, and that's not very big. I shouldn't probably put any weight on that. And finally, slowly, and of course, it was, uh, it was numb and all this weird craziness. And finally, I remember stri- starting to walk, and I was doing this. And the doctor was like, yeah, you don't have that little rubber thing down there anymore. So you don't have to do that. But that's, that's all I knew how to do. I was walking around the rest of the summer like, how y'all doing? Yeah, it's good to see you. People are like, what's happening with your leg, man? What happened to your leg, by the way? That's weird looking. And in that moment, isn't there always a little fear? Because what will I do? How, who would I be if I wasn't unforgiven? Who would I be if I wasn't this martyr? That's me now. That's my identity. And I only know how to walk when turning one leg one way. That's just what I do, Louie. And God is speaking to the fear tonight. And yeah, you will maybe limp for a little while. I did. You won't bust out and run down the beach the first day you get there. I, I didn't. I could hardly put my foot on the sand because I hadn't felt anything on the bottom of my foot for the whole summer. And it was the little sand was like weird. It's like, ooh, I don't want to touch that anything. So there's, a, there's an adjustment. But the truth of the matter was, as soon as they peeled that baby off, my leg was healed. It was healed the second he cut that cast off. It didn't get any more healed. It was healed right then. And I say that tonight because I want to leave you with a picture because I want someone tonight to step into this truth. And when you do, tomorrow, you're going to see your foot turn and your leg's going to be real shriveled up. And I want you in your mind to go, yeah, maybe so, but I'm healed. And give me a couple days, feelings are going to come around this truth because I'm going to camp out on the truth, man. As long as it takes, I'm going to camp out here until all the feelings rejoice in what God has done. And in time, you'll see me sprinting ahead of everybody else here in time. I, uh, I'll close with this. I brought a, just a little gift tonight. It's not a lot, I'm sorry, but you know, things are lean. Uh, it's a gift card to a restaurant group here in the city, one of my favorites, uh, the Concentric restaurant, restaurant Group. Anybody heard of it? No, maybe not. Uh, anybody know any restaurants in the Concentric Group? I'm just looking, maybe if you do, they'll know I talked about them and they'll, they'll uh, come around. It would, name a few restaurants in the Concentric Group. Two, Urban Licks, maybe, maybe my favorite in the city, yeah. Oh, I got a little, ooh, that's good. If you haven't been to Two Urban Licks, uh, Good luck. That's awesome. Uh, one Midtown Kitchen. Any takers? No? Trois. Hadn't been there, but it's French, I hear. Um, anything else in this group? Cracker Barrel? Christians chiming in. Seventh anniversary tonight, man. We know where the Stanfields are headed. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. That's not what he said. I couldn't understand him, though. So, um... It's, it's not for lots for $50, but that'll get you at least in the door and get somebody eaten. And um, I want to give it to one of you families. There's like three of y'all back there that stood up, sort of. Somebody served, and then your family served, and a couple of girls, and it looked like maybe a dad or somebody. I couldn't really tell. Are you guys with us? You guys eat out at all? Are you willing to venture out to the concentric, uh, <laughs> concentric group? 
Um, I'd like to give this to your family, and um, I'd like for you guys to at least have a, you know, $50 worth of something on me. I don't know how many there are in the family. That might not get you one appetizer. If you get an appetizer, uh, well, never mind. I'll let you decide what you want. But um, so one of the daughters of the young ladies there, if you'd like, I'd like to give this to you all. If you don't want it, that's fine. I'll pick another family. But if you'd like, I'd like to, for you to have it. Yeah, that's awesome. Somebody like, man, they didn't they don't even know what the concentric group is. I have been to one of the restaurants. Why didn't you pick me? You know, here, I want you guys to enjoy that. You can go online, it'll tell you where they are, who they are, and just uh, think about all of us while you guys are there. Maybe you should just the two of y'all go because you might could even get some for fifty bucks and leave the rest of those guys at home. It's <laughs> probably the best way that's gonna work right there. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, we'll we'll close with this. Um, we'll close with this, but um, here's the thing. You're like, oh man, I love it. It's holiday weekend. We're giving stuff away. Um, Oprah just did her last show, you know, so somebody's <laughs> got to pick up the mantle, and I think it's me, you know? So next week, under your chairs, is going to be concrete. It's going to be awesome. So here's the thing gift cards are tricky, and I know that's a whole other talk, but just stay with me for one second. Uh, you guys can go ahead and come if you want to. They, whether they go or not, is going to say a lot. Do you guys know me? Are we buddies, friends, hung out a lot? How much time have we spent together outside of here? Not a lot. They're going to go to a restaurant, potentially, and sit down at a table and order food. Won't that be fun? and they don't know if that's a real gift card or not. <laughs> oh, we have this card our pastor gave us. I'm sorry, we're not in the concentric group anymore. <laughs> yeah, I swiped your card and you had a balance of $4.39, $4.39 on there from I guess your pastor and his wife went to dinner and it's a little left over. How, how, how do they know? But I'm banking on that they have enough confidence in me and enough trust in me to drive to that restaurant and at the end of the meal, pop that card down in the little black folder. Because there's enough level of trust that they can act on the gift that I'm giving them. And so how much trust do you have that Jesus is saying to you tonight, you're forgiven. You can take your mat out and you can go home. Enough that you would actually walk into it and say, on the authority of of Jesus. On the authority of Jesus, I'm done. I'm done feeling sorry for myself, blaming myself, beating myself up, punishing myself, thinking that I'm second rate in the kingdom, one of those servants, Jesus said. No, I want to be what he talked about in that other passage, a full son in the family. 
like walking in the door and going, "Uh uh-huh, I'm here and I belong here because I'm a son of God. I belong here. I can look anybody in the eye in this room, in my business, in my family, in my neighborhood. I can make eye contact with anybody because I belong here, because I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God. And on the authority of Jesus, I believe I am forgiven and I'm gonna honor him. I'm gonna honor him. I'm gonna honor Jesus. I'm gonna honor Jesus by walking in that truth on that authority.